Hi, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at the Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning in today to listen or watch uh, one of our messages online. I'm standing inside uh, T2, which is our new building project that we've been working on uh, for about the last six months. We're in the final phases right here. On a normal weekend, we have four services, uh, and, and we just don't have space to put people here anymore. But we're excited because God's changing lives, not just here in Buckley. God's also changing lives all across the United States and all across the world where people are tuning in to be a part of our church. We want to invite you to be a part of this. It's called The Big Give. And between now and the end of the calendar year, our hope, our prayer is to raise $175,000 to help us uh, continue with this project. If you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to go to our website at thetabchurch.com where you can participate online. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. What shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness? Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Chapter 10 Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Good morning. Welcome again to the Tabernacle. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're so glad uh, that you've chosen to spend this morning in worship with us. If you don't know Jesus, don't worry about it yet. Uh, if you stick around long enough, you're going to hear us talk about him a whole lot. If you're seeking answers to the meaning of life and, and where truth is, you're in the right place. If you are a Christian, hopefully you've already been blessed by the service, and I trust that God's going to speak to each one of us exactly where we are. What you believe really, really matters. Do you believe that? What you believe really, really matters. Because what you believe will shape how you act. Now, we live in an age and a time uh, where we hear something counter to that. We hear what you believe doesn't matter. As long as you sincerely believe what you believe, that's all that matters. Now, what kind of jacked up philosophy is that, right? doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you sincerely believe it. Have you heard that before? Right? This is, the, uh, or this is our age. This is the message that we receive. As long as you sincerely believe something, that's all that matters. And that's just wrong. That's wrong. I mean, it's a good thing that I believe that spring is coming. Right? I mean, it's February. We're in the dog days of winter. Forget those dog days of August. I love those dog days. You know, when Michigan people start to melt, you know, it's like, all oh, this heat, this humidity, it's been a solid 82 degrees here in northern Michigan. It's like, 82? Are you kidding me? That's balmy, right? But it's, so it's a good thing that I believe that spring is coming, because there's hope, there's hope. 
But if you don't believe that way, then wow, February can get really, really dark and dreary, can it? And your actions are going to respond that way. What you believe matters. Those of you that play on a sports team, it's important that you believe that you can be successful, right? I mean, otherwise, why would you step on the court? If you don't believe that you can be successful, then why even show up? And sometimes those beliefs are sorely misplaced. I mean, you can be Frankfurt and sincerely believe that you're going to come into Buckley's house on a Friday night and beat our undefeated bears, and you'd be sincerely wrong. Amen? All right, sorry. We know you're in the house, Kingsley. We love you, too. But if you're from Frankfurt, uh, no, we love you, too. We love you, too, right? What you believe matters. You can sincerely believe that the earth is flat, and you'll be sincerely wrong. And if you sincerely believe that the earth is flat, you're not going on any long sailing trips, right? And you, and you think I'm just making up stuff. There is an organization in 2017 that is committed to the fact that the round earth theory is a conspiracy and that the earth is really flat. You can go look it up. It's frightening to think about. But what you believe matters. And what you believe about God is the most important thing. In fact, what you believe about God defines everything about you. It's the most important thing about you, what you believe about God and specifically what you believe about Jesus. It's the most important thing about you. If you don't believe that there is a God, if you believe that all of this is just a cosmic mistake, that, you know, that there was nothing out there in the great expanse of nothingness and then nothing collided with nothing and then something came out of that then you believe there's no purpose and there's no meaning, that everything's a mistake. And that means in my life and in your life, there is no purpose and there is no meaning. But if you believe that something had to come from something, that everything had to have come from something, then you believe that there was a cause and if there was a first cause, then there's purpose and there's meaning. And whatever that first cause was, that is God. And that will have a trickle-down effect and define everything about you. What you believe, what I believe, what we believe matters. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 9. We've been in this study, and by the way, as we mentioned before, we'll be in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, uh, all the way up to Palm Sunday. And, And as I've said before, I want to repeat again, the best way to get the most out of this is to actually spend a little time reading in advance. I know at times when, you know, before I became a pastor, I, you know, the church that I attended is, is we went through the scriptures just like we're doing. And whenever I read in advance, it's like God prepared my heart for to then go in and then and hear from God's word. And it always made it more impacting in my life. And so that's just something I encourage you to do. But today we're going to look at the tail end of chapter 9 in this greatest letter ever written and at the first part of chapter 10. And Paul's been developing this idea that there is a God and God has a plan and God has meaning and God has purpose and God has something for you and something for me. And so in our series, when we look at God is, we've been looking at his character because what I believe about God and his character is going to shape who I am and how I live. And so we see that God is a faithful God, that he's faithful to love me. He's faithful that if I confess my sins to save me, God is a sovereign God, that he's in control of everything. That's important that we believe that. 
If you don't believe God is in control, how can God be trusted? But then the problem is, is some of us, then it's like, well, if God is in control, why did that bad thing happen to me or my kid? Well, if you believe that God is good and that God is faithful and God is sovereign and he is in control, then I will receive anything from his hand because I know he has a purpose. And although my eyes and my life may not see that purpose, there is a purpose. And so as Paul develops this idea, we get down to... or. Romans chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 30. But before we get there, I just wanted to say this. Today, we're going to look at the fact that God is holy. God is holy. In fact, there's two places in Scripture where we get a little peek into the heavenly realms where apparently there's an entire division of angels in heaven that their job for all of eternity is not to send messengers to Mary or to Joseph or to appear on the earth or to be the angel of death. An entire division of angels, you can look it up in Isaiah 6 and then at the end in Revelation, this division of angels, all they do for all eternity is declare that God is holy. They just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Some of them switch it up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Over and over and over, they just say it over and over. What does it mean that God is holy? It's important what we believe about the holiness of God. Well, for one, it means that God is perfectly righteous, that he's all good, that he's all loving, that he's pure, that he cannot sin. One of the things that that comes with the holiness of God is God cannot do evil. Oh, yeah, I thought you said he was sovereign. How can he do evil? Doesn't mean he won't allow bad things to happen, but he himself cannot be the initiator of evil. He can't do it. Well, I thought God could do anything. Don't be silly. Can't God sin? I thought he could do anything. Why would you want him to? Stop being dumb. Some people are offended when I say that. Don't be offended. Get over yourself. So yeah, it's that he's perfect and he's pure and he's righteous, but it's more than just that. Holy literally means to be separated, to be separate from, to be entirely other. Don't check out here. We can understand this. This means that when we say God is holy, it speaks of this mysterious otherness of God. It's an attribute we do not share with him, even though we're made in his image. What does this mean for us, that God is holy? In chapter 9, verse 30, this is how Paul starts his explanation. He says, what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. Let me break that down for us. We're going to go verse by verse today. Gentiles are non-Jews. They were not the people or the sons and daughters of Abraham. Jews are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Jews were the chosen people, and they were given God's law. They were given this information that God is holy, and they were also given this information. God is holy, and we are not. Anyone ever feel that way? Okay, God is holy, but I know I'm not, right? Oh, don't call me a holy man. And that's because every single one of us are infected with sin. 
We inherited it from our first parents. None of us are perfect, right? You heard someone say that, well, nobody's perfect. We know that. That's a given. The slightest little bit of sin means that I'm not holy and God is holy. Well, in this verse, he speaks of God's standard. Some translations, that's translated God's righteousness. That speaks to God's holiness. So here's the fact that God is holy. This is also his righteousness. This is also his standard. And I'm right here. No, you didn't catch that. Okay, let me do that again. Here's God's standard. And you and I are like way down here, right? Right? And here's the problem. How do I have a relationship with him? If he's completely holy, his divine otherness, and I'm not even in the conversation because of my sin. How are we going to bridge that gap? And here's the clue right here in verse 1. He says that there was these Gentiles that weren't even looking for God, and they met his standard, and here's all these Jewish people, these religious people, these church people, and they didn't meet God's standard. Well, how does that take place? He says that these Gentiles were made right with God by faith. By faith. And he's speaking about Jesus and the gospel. That God sent his son in order to bridge that gap. To say, you know what? You're never going to be able to climb to my heights. You're never going to meet my perfection. You're never going to be holy. You're never going to be perfect. While we're in this earth, we're going to struggle with sin. And if it's not just my sin, I'm going to struggle with your sin. And when your sin happens, my sin happens, right? And then our sin collides and we get uh, the nightly news, correct? And so God did something. He sent his son Jesus to pay in blood for our sin. And so he says, do this, believe in him, trust him, have faith in him, that he was the substitute for you, that he paid for your sin, that you don't have to live a perfect standard life because he did. And this happens by faith. Say it with me so you don't forget it. Just say by faith. That wasn't loud enough. Say it again. Say by faith. Okay, sweet. We want to get that into your head. And so what he says is the only way that these these pagans, these Gentiles, these nobodies, they didn't have this thing called the law. All they had was by faith and they just went right past all those people. That would literally be me, we mentioned basketball, on a basketball court. I'm five foot ten in shoes, white, and can't jump. Are you with me? I never learned how to shoot the, you know, one hand. Was it one hand set, two hands? I don't know what it's called, right? I can't shoot the jumper. I got no skills, right? I'll school you on the floor with a soccer ball, but I, you know, above sea level, I'm on the struggle bus, right? And this would mean that if by faith I could all of a sudden, you know, pull the takeoff from the foul line Air Jordan. How is that possible? That sounds like a pipe dream. And when it comes to basketball, it is. It is but not with God. With God, what seems impossible with man is not impossible with God. And he says, by faith, you can meet my standard. That's what these Gentiles did. It's by faith. Say it one more time. By faith. faith. That's what he says. Let's keep going so we don't get lost here. Verse 31. He says, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? 
because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the reason that these people were made right with God by faith and these people were not made right with God. And the reason is, is they tried to use the law. Their faith was not in God. Their faith was in the law. You see the difference? Now, let me unpack that just a second. What do we mean by the law? After God called his people out of Egypt, after he saved them out of Egypt, Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and he was given the Ten Commandments. And God was showing people, this is what I am like. There is no other God but me. And and then this is what we call the Ten Commandments. And he said, or, or the reason that he gave these commandments is so we would know what he is like, what God is like. That there is one God and he asked us not to profane his name. He asked us to rest like he does on the seventh day. That's today. And, you know, right. And, and we come and worship together. He asked us not to lie, not to cheat, not to steal, not to sleep with anyone that's not my, my spouse and not to covet. Right. So he gives us the law. That's his moral code. But then he continued to give us laws so we could understand how high his standard was. How do we pay for sin? You're going to have to kill something. The only thing that pays for sin is blood. So we have the sacrificial system by which a bull or a ram or a perfect lamb or a dove or a turtle dove or a pigeon, we have to, depending on the sin, it's this big complex system of sacrifices. Why? To show us how completely other God is and how he demands blood to pay for it. And you got a million people out there and you wanted some system of order. Our God is a God of order. We can't just have everyone running around willy-nilly doing whatever they want. So he gave them governmental laws. He gave, he gave them ceremonial laws. He gave them laws on how to stay healthy and clean with a million people wandering around in the desert. So you have this big complex system of laws. But get this. He wanted these people to trust him. He had saved them. He said, this is how I am and this is how you're going to work together. This is how, ooh, get this, you're going to love God and love others, right? This is what it looks like. But what happened is these people got so diligent in following the rules, they didn't trust the one who gave them the rules, That's why they were not accepted and they never reached the standard. You know, backstage, I was trying to think of a good analogy to to kind of help this make sense. And this is the best I can do and it's not perfect. But imagine you're standing on the edge of a canyon and there's no way down. The only way across is a bridge. It's like one of those rope bridges, right? It's like from Pirates of the Caribbean. You got that funky rope bridge. And the guy who built the bridge is God and he's standing on the other side of the canyon. And he says to you, I built that bridge. Uh, by the way, I built the canyon and you, all right? <laughs> and the laws of physics and all those other cool laws that I wasn't paying attention to but in science class. And here's the deal. Walk across the bridge. You can trust me. You can trust me. The bridge will hold you. You're not going to die. And I'm afraid of heights. And instead, I go, you know what? I need to do some measurements real quick. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, God, who made everything. 
Thanks God who defies his own laws of uh, thermodynamics and, you know, the supernatural and the natural. He's just bigger than all of that. And then we look at his system and you say, you know what? We can replicate that. I'll build my own bridge. Thanks, but no thanks. That's what we do when we think our good performance or being a good little boy or a good little girl or following all the Christianese laws. If I do all those things, God will accept me. We miss the point. They missed the point back then. We miss the point today. The law represents our obedience and our good behavior. Some of us, and this is what kills me, and I'm saying this because I love you and I love this church and I love the gospel. Some of us have been in church a long time and we still think that our good behavior is somehow going to influence God to like us more. And we're just like superstitious pagans. God says it's by faith. Say it again. And if you put your trust in how good you are, you're not living the life that God called us to, and you may not be saved. And I see it all the time. We see it all the time. We see it in the way we talk. Someone will say, oh, such and such. Well, she's a Christian. I'm not sure if she's a Christian or not. And then we'll say, oh, but that one, oh, she's a good Christian. What is a good Christian? I'm tired of that. What's a good Christian? You know what a good Christian is? Someone who's confessed that Jesus is Lord and believes in him by faith. Now, I get it. It's like, hey, someone that's mature in their faith, someone who's growing in their faith, someone's like dynamic in their faith, but a good Christian? What is good or bad? We're only good or bad by faith, not by our performance. It's by faith. Law and performing, this is the gospel of how good I can be. And this is how it blows up in our faces, my friends. Listen to this. If that's what you believe, you say, oh, no, but I believe in Jesus, but I also believe it's really, really, really important to perform. It still smuggles its way in. So if you have a bad day at work, then you start going, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Is there some kind of sin in my life? God made things go badly. He's sovereign, right? And he's faithful, but he's just. And if I had a bad week, it's probably because I didn't give enough money to the church. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. All right. But uh, 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 maybe it's something else. It's, you know, it's because I, you know, I didn't sacrifice enough. I, you know, I, I didn't pray hard enough, right? And then it becomes this performance-based faith. And it's messed up. I was talking to a friend last night who his, he and his wife are struggling because they have a special needs child that's been born and they were strong in their faith. I don't mean to be too personal, but a special needs child was born into their life and now they're struggling with their faith in God. How could a good God do this? We're Christians. Do you see how that's poisonous? If I believe in the sovereignty of God, whether it's cancer or special needs or something horrible, I believe both that God only has my good in his plan, no matter what comes from his hand in the short term. And if you believe it by faith, then you can, if you believe by faith, you're bulletproof. But if you still think that your good behavior, your good performance is somehow going to influence God, you're a religious person. Religious people, we can be the worst. He says that there's a stumbling block. There's a great rock in their path. People that believe this way. You know what the great rock is? 
It's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus who called himself the cornerstone. And we stumble over him when we think that our good behavior is somehow, get this, going to put God in my debt. How many times have I told you of, 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 you know, one of the hardest things is to perform a funeral and you're not sure where the person's faith was. And then someone comes up and is like, you know what, grandpa, you know, he never went to church. And, you know, sometimes he was a little harsh and he drank all the liquor in the cabinet, you know, every night. And, but you know what? He was a good guy. He'd give you the shirt off your back. I can't imagine God wouldn't ask him to come to heaven. I don't care if grandpa did give you all the shirts off his back, never drank a day in his life, was the nicest man you can possibly imagine. He can be the coolest dude ever. He could even say he loves God and loves people, but if he thought that that's what was going to get him favor with God, he is lost. He has stumbled over Jesus. He has said, look at me, look at my behavior, and here's God's standard, and all he did was make it that far. And then God went, oh, not even close, because there's this big gap called sin. Sorry. Sorry. It's by faith. He stumbles over the rock that is Christ. We stumble over the rock that is Christ all the time because we want to think that somehow we can put God in our debt. You owe me, God. I've been good. Not good enough. Not good enough. So he goes on in chapter 10. He continues with this thought. Verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Right there, we see two more ways in which we stumble over the rock that is Jesus. We think that if if we're zealous and if we're really enthusiastic, that you know what, God's going to give us a brownie button for that. If I'm really, really zealous, if I am really, really enthusiastic, if I'm really, really sincere... We hear this in this day and age too. Well, I'm not sure if they're a Christian, but they're really spiritual. What is spiritual? That gets you no points with God. Oh, no, 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 but you don't understand. They're really, really sincere. I'm a sincere person. Pastor, you and your church, you believe what you want to believe. I kind of believe all roads lead to heaven. You know, like all dogs go to heaven. That's another sermon, sorry, right? And it's just like, but I'm really, really sincere. Like I said, what you believe matters. You can sincerely believe you are doing something for God and that somehow he's going to be indebted to you and you can also be sincerely wrong. ISIS is really zealous and really sincere. They believe that chopping off the heads of non-Muslim people makes God happy. They believe that taking young girls that haven't even reached the age of puberty yet and selling them as sex slaves to be raped and devastated, they think somehow that's okay and that makes God happy. And they are sincere and they are sincerely wrong. That is wicked. That is evil. And God weeps for that. And one day, God will judge that. Why hasn't God done anything about that yet? He already has. He crushed Jesus to pay for that. That's why it's by faith. How do you take that back? 
How do you take that back? Well, we stumble over God when we think that our zeal or our enthusiasm or our sincerity somehow impresses God. It's by faith. And by faith in who, by the way? By faith in Jesus. A lot of people believe in God. But it's believing in the God-man, Jesus. It says in here that the other way they stumble or we stumble is when we cling to our own way. And I had a conversation with a buddy just a couple weeks back and you know, he called me up. This guy's got a great heart. He loves Jesus. He loves the Lord. But he also, you know, he really loves his Jewish friends. You know, and he really loves his Muslim friends. He's got a lot of friends in both camps. And he's like, man, aren't, aren't we all worshiping the same God? It's like, I don't know, that's a complicated question because you could make a case that we're all, you know, Christians, Jews, and Muslims. We're all the sons and daughters of Abraham somehow, kind of, except for us, right, the Gentiles. We're like, I don't know, wackadoo half-stepbrother, you know, whatever that is, okay. But we're all calling on the God of Abraham, aren't we? And they're sincere, These guys are sincere and they're good people. They're not terrorists, some of these people. And it's like, it doesn't matter how sincere we are. If we cling to our own way and we're not clinging to Jesus, we stumble over Jesus. Jesus wasn't good enough. And we miss it. Scripture says that there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He told John the Baptist's disciples, do not look for another prophet after me. I am the last prophet. As it says in the NKJV, Christ came to be the end of the law. The end of trying to perform. He wants us to trust in him. Don't stumble over Jesus. And every other world religion stumbles over Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every other world religion is based on your performance. In the Jewish faith, in order to get favor with God, you have to be a good Jew. You have to be an Orthodox Jew. You have to do the prayers and have the squirrely little, you know, uh, sideburns, memorize the Torah, do the bar mitzvah, do the thing, stomp on the glass, you know, the whole deal, right? To be, a, you know, a good Muslim, you have to bow down how many times a day towards Mecca, and, and, if, and if you really follow the Quran, you've got to kill a whole bunch of us, you know, and then that'll really make God happy, and, and it, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just saying, to be a really good Hindu, right, you've got to please all the gods, because they've got a whole bunch of gods, right, they've got the god of cows, and the god of the river, and they've got gods and goddesses, and no one knows who the chief god is, they've got Jeff, the god of biscuits, you know, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of gods, I just made that last one up, but, but you got to please those gods. And if you please all those gods, maybe you'll come back as a better creature if you're good. And, and if you're poor, maybe you'll become middle class. And if you're a good middle class Hindu, you'll come back as an upper class. It's just jacked up. It's all performance. Everything's performance. And even those that don't believe in God, they go, well, as long as you're a good person. And here's the deal. Only Christianity says, give it up, you're wicked. Jesus wasn't, though. Trust and believe in him and his blood, your faith, that's how you're made right. You can't make this up. What separates the Christian faith from every other faith is grace. That it's a free gift and that it's received by faith. Say it again, by faith. By faith. And then he ends, verse 4, chapter 10. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him 
are made right with God. Belief, faith. Now, what does it mean when it says the law is accomplished? Because there's this question that's out there. Well, what about the law then? Was all that just a cosmic waste of time? Was all that Old Testament just a cosmic waste of time? Right? Does this mean, and be careful here because we stumble over Jesus this way too, does this mean I could just, oh, I believe and I'm just going to do whatever I want. Party like it's spring break, 1986. Here we go. Were you there? It was a fiasco. I wasn't. I watched it on TV. Is that what it means? Law doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. No. No. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a purpose for the law. It was to point to this God who is holy, to show us how high, just give us a glimpse of how high the standard was. God wasn't toying with those people. He wanted them to believe in him. But to a certain degree, the ceremonial law was just to show the formality of the distance between us and God. The sacrificial system was to point to the fact that the only thing that pays for sin is blood. He didn't want them to believe in the bull. He wanted them to believe in him. And it's the same thing with the governmental law of how they were going to govern themselves. He didn't want to believe in the fact that if we just do this, we're going to be organized and it's a really good business plan. He wanted them to believe that he's a God of order and he wants to govern them. He wanted them to trust in him. And so all of that law was pointing to Jesus. But here's the good news. Now we're not wandering in a desert, right? Now we've got refrigerators so we can eat bacon. Praise God. Right? Is anyone happy about bacon? I'm happy about bacon and gluten. I'm happy about both of them. No offense to those who can't eat gluten, all right? I get it. Probably should move to California where you could hold up a liquor store with a bagel, right? But bacon, bacon's a proof for the existence of God, isn't it? It is. I mean, only a pig that can eat hot garbage and turn it into bacon. So I don't have to follow that now. I don't have to follow that because I'm not living in the desert. I've got a refrigerator. I, I don't need that governmental system because Christ came to be the king of kings. I don't need that sacrificial system because Christ came to be the end of all sacrifices. You sacrifice something now, you're saying Jesus' blood wasn't good enough. That was the standard that he demanded. And if I believe in God and I believe in the God-man Jesus, I believe in his blood, I, I, I dare not sacrifice anything or think that my sacrifice somehow gets me in good with God. The ceremony is over. You know, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they celebrated Passover. And that was remembering the moment that, you know, the night that they left Egypt. And when they left Egypt, God had told them to sacrifice a perfect lamb and to take its blood and to cover their home, to put it on the doorpost, the blood on the doorpost, so the angel of death and the angel of judgment that flew over Egypt would take the life of the firstborn son of every household in Egypt, except for those Jewish homes where there was Passover blood on the doorposts, right? That was the ceremony. Friends, it is no mistake that the day Jesus died was Passover. He's the... Last lamb, the last bit of blood. And you believe in that. We have faith in him. The angel of death passes over us. And it's no mistake either. It's no mistake either. 
that God saved those people out of Egypt. Don't miss this. He saved them first. Then he gave them the law. Did you catch that? Saving came first. And once they were saved and redeemed and paid for and adopted, then he said, now, now that I've saved you, now that we're in relationship, this is what pleases me. And so that's how we live. Am I saying it doesn't matter what you do? It matters. Yeah, it matters. And if you believe that God is holy, you won't say, well, by faith, I believe in Jesus. And now I'm just going to have spring break 1986. No. It means I believe in Jesus. Now I want to please him. And you know what? His commands give me an idea about what pleases his heart. This holy God wants me to worship no other God. This holy God wants me to not profane his name. This holy God wants me to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love others as myself. And you know it's interesting when Jesus gave that command, the great commandment, to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know what he said? Do that and you fulfill all of the Old Testament and all of the law. Because if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to take your wife. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to take your stuff. If I love my neighbor as I love myself, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to covet what you have and I don't have. You're going on vacation. You're going somewhere warm next week. I'm happy for you. I'm trying really hard. (laughs) Bless you. Good for you, man. (sighs) Jesus loves me, I think, right? (laughs) Here's the point. God is holy Only Jesus makes us holy. Doesn't mean that law doesn't matter. Yeah, law matters. But only because I'm grateful to him and I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for his grace. And I'm telling you, if you truly believe that and that's really where your faith is, your life will be totally different. You know, if you're struggling today right now with sin, and probably many of us are, if you're struggling in sin, you know something is sin in your life and it really doesn't bother you, you really don't believe in the holiness of God. You don't believe he's holy, God. I mean, he's, I mean, he's can do tricks. But you don't really believe how holy he is. Beliefs matter. I mean, if you really believe that God is holy and that only Jesus makes me holy, if that's really where your faith is, your life's going to be different. Your life's going to be different. Some of us in here, we're still clinging to our own way. Some of us in here, we're not only trying to perform, but we're expecting others to perform. We use God's law like a weapon. We use it like a weapon on our children, on our siblings, on our parents, on people around us. We don't see God's law as a blessing. You see, we can either stumble over Jesus or we can build our lives on Jesus. I want to obey God's law because I want to build my life on Jesus. Because only Jesus makes me holy. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I don't know every single person here. And I promise I don't have any person in my mind. I'm just saying right now, I've got a feeling that there might be people in this room that have been delaying obedience to God. 
And somehow you think that your good is going to outweigh your bad and that it's good enough and that you can just take your time. I I just want to say that I think this morning's the time to start obeying this holy God because he's serious about his holiness. He's got angels for all eternity. All they sing, holy, holy, holy. Holiness matters and you can't be holy unless you believe that God is holy and only Jesus makes you holy. And if you really believe that and you're going to put your trust and faith in that, then your life, you're going to make every effort to make sure that those two things match. Maybe this morning is the morning for you to confess that sin and repent, which means to do something about it. There's some people in this room, you're still trying to live a perfect life. You're still trying to get it right, and you're beating yourself up every time you don't get it perfect. And you're basically a superstitious Christian, and you're stumbling over Jesus too. And this morning for you, it's to learn that it's by faith. Tough guy. I don't care how tough you are, how perfect you are, little Miss Goody Two-Shoes. It's only by faith. Only Jesus makes me holy. So for you, it's the same prayer. God, forgive me for believing in me instead of believing in you. God, forgive me for believing in my holiness and my performance rather than believing in you. You know, I believe there's also a third group of people in here that you're not a Christian at all. And one of the reasons is because you know that that, that there's stuff in your life that you don't want to give up or there's stuff in your life that you're thinking, oh, if I become a Christian, it's just going to, I'm going to have a sourpuss faith, f- face and not get to do anything. It's going to be a Debbie Downer. And maybe today was the first time that you've heard it's not about that at all. It's about placing your faith in Jesus and stop putting faith in yourself because only God makes me holy. Well, today you can put your faith in Christ and it's a simple prayer, asking Christ into your life asking him to forgive you of your sin, telling him you love him and thanking him that Jesus makes you holy and then have fun figuring out what that means. We're here to help. But would you respond today? Don't delay. Don't delay your obedience. Don't cling to your own way. Your beliefs matter. God in heaven, I thank you for your word. God in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you for your justice, which means you care about evil. I thank you about your, or, or for your mercy, which tells us that you care and that you love us. But I thank you for your grace that came in flesh. Thank you for your blood. And God, I thank you that it's by faith and it's not something that we can make up. God, would you help us to believe that, that you are holy and to cling to the fact that only Jesus makes us holy. Help us to be a church that is marked by that, to be men and women that are marked by that, to be students and children that are marked with that simple faith in the one who was holy enough for all of us. And it's in his name that we pray, Jesus the Christ, amen.